and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome to our program today, coming to you from northwest Sydney. A rainy old day today. Welcome, Hunty. Hey, mate. Thanks. For, welcome. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. Good to be I'm here. I'm always good to have the. It's always good to have the producer director here. Yeah, someone's got to push the buttons. We've got a good program today. <laughs> we do. Doctor David Kadrian. He's a mate of mine, actually. Known him for a long time. Went to college with him. Uh, looking forward to talking to him. Actually, he has a pretty important job, Hunty. What he is it? Does. Uh, he's in charge of, I think, hotel quarantine in Victoria. Oh, I don't so one think of, one of the head, one of the head. Yeah, he's guys. not the top top guy. Yeah, but he's right up there. He's he's definitely looking after a hotel down there. Yes, and he has some really interesting things to say about uh, the jab, about hotel quarantine, and about this uh, pandemic that's spreading across the world. Doesn't seem to be going out, does it? No, incredible, sad. really. And then we have Desley Bailey. She's an organic. Farmer, she's doing something, Hunty. I always wanted to do. What's that? They're on a farm. Yep, and they're growing vegetables for a living. Wow! And they're organic, so they're really, really good for you. It sounds like hard work. But you know, most of all today, I'd like to welcome you, our listener, to the program. Got a great day ahead of us. And if you'd like to contact us, well, it's easy, Hunty. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you. <laughs> I'm going to let you read out the phone number. That's because I have phone rhythm. Yeah, he, he likes to tell me that. He tells me every week that he's got phone rhythm and That's I right. haven't. So are it's you, easy. Are you ready? The reason I'm letting you, uh, letting Hunty read this phone number out is because he says it's easier for you to hear it and remember it. And if you hear it and remember it, well, perhaps you might just send us through a text and say, g'day. Now it is important for you to get this number, either write it down or get it recorded somewhere because this is how you'll get hold of our free offers later in the program. Yeah. And we do have a free offer today. That's good. Read the number first. Okay, zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. Listeners, does he have rhythm? I think there's more. You can also contact us on info at AussiePastor.com. I was supposed to read that. Oh. There's a, there's a new well, an- I trust you to read that. <laughs> there's, a new an- <laughs> there's a new announcer on the program today. Next week I'm going over to sit in his place. Uh, look. We're giving away a Bible today. We've got a section called the Aussie Pastor. And if you... Ask the Aussie Pastor. Yeah, what did I say it was? Mm, just Aussie Pastor. Yeah, Aussie Pastor. Yeah. Ask the Aussie Pastor. Yeah. If you text me a question, any question about the Bible or anything about God, Jesus, that you haven't got the answer for. Now, I don't guarantee I'll have the answer, Hunty, but there's a good chance I will. You probably will. Maybe. Got a good we, track record. If I don't, I'd admit it. So if you text us on Hunty Info at AussiePastor.com. No, no, that's email us. That's email. All right, text the to SMS us zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. Or if you want to email us info at AussiePastor.com. For a couple of amateurs we're getting there, aren't we'll we? We'll get there. <laughs> Welcome to our program today. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, Hunty. Yeah, mate. Have you been watching what's going down in India? Yes, terrible. The thing that has amazed me the most, and I think it's outrageous actually, is the Australian government who has said that if you are in India and you are an Australian citizen, you cannot come home. Now, Michael Slater, do you know who he is? Yes. He's an Australian, was a very 
famous Australian opening batsman. He's been over in India at the IPL, which is the big cricket uh, 2020 tournament over there. He's one of the... He's not a coach. He's actually over there uh, working, I think, for one of the television stations uh, as a television personality for the cricket. Well, he came home, but he couldn't come home. He ended up over in the Seychelles or the Maldives mm. or somewhere yep. where he's got to wait for two weeks before he can come home. He was scathing this morning. He He tweeted... Did I say that right? Yep, you can tweet. Yeah, he is it tweet. You can, you can. He tweeted or he tweeted? Did he tweet on Twitter? Did he tweet or he Twitter? He tweeted. He tweeted on Twitter. That's right. So he tweeted on Twitter and he said, uh, and he really had a go at the prime minister. Actually, he said, Scott Morrison, this is a disgrace. Uh, We should be allowed to come home. Uh, You need to get your quarantine in order. I actually happen to agree with him. I don't. Oh, Hunty, I'm sorry, but I'm actually a mixed mind on this. Oh, but I think I think these cricketers went over to make a lot of money. Well, actually, they went over to make a living. Yes, I'm not just talking specifically about the cricketers, though. I had a friend who went back to India because her dad died just a few weeks ago. Fortunately, she got back home to Australia, so she went back for the funeral. If she had been caught, my wife and I were talking about Lizzie. We were talking about this this morning. If she got caught over in India, she couldn't have come home. You think that's okay? No, I think there's no winners in this, but. Um, I was talking with a tech support company on the phone yesterday and he said to me, he said, the numbers you're reporting in Australia, he suspects they might not even be half. You so mean- for me personally, if, if, they, if they're reporting 3,000 dying a day and, and, the, and that might not even be the true picture, I think it's absolutely rampant in India and I actually support the travel ban because I don't think we should be bringing people back to choke up our... Hospital beds. But these are Australians. These are Australians just like you. Some of them are born. Now, it doesn't make no, and no difference to me whether you're a born Australian or you become an Australian later. My, my wife actually was not born Australian. She was born in Indonesia, but she's become an Australian citizen and she's as much an Australian as I am. And I'm born. I've, I've got the red dust of this country in my veins. Mm, so me I was, too. I was born here. But we're both Australians. So, so you're saying that Australians shouldn't be allowed, are you serious, to come home to their own Country, look, I think it's a, it's a terrible situation, but yeah, I'm I'm supportive of the ban, which they hopefully will release next week or the week after. But this this COVID is costing our country. There are reports that thirty years from today, our children will still be paying off the debt. But don't you have a natural born right to come home to your country? Well, not everybody, I don't believe. And look at the person who went back for a wedding; they brought COVID back with them. And they're locked down another part of Australia for a but few But you're days. an Australian. Yeah. Well, you're coming home to Australia. Uh, it's, it's so sad I can't even conceive, but I support the travel ban. So there you go. The Aussie pastor and the Aussie pastor producer director. We <laughs> someone else in this chair next week. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I actually understand where you're coming from, but you know what? Yeah, I understand your point I, too. My grandfather, uh, who was not really, well, he was a Christian, but not a strong one, but he fought on the Kokoda track against the Japanese. And he fought for the freedom of Australians. And I actually think that it is very sobering that the Australian government can bring in a rule to stop Australians returning home. Well, there are reports that this strain is quite virulent, and if, if it was brought over here in any small numbers, 
they are predicting the whole country could be locked down in only a, less it's than two the weeks. same strain that's been in Britain and the United States and Europe and Asia. Did you complain when we locked the door for Brazil a year ago? Because it's still locked. Uh, no, you can come back from Brazil. Can you? Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think that the only ban on coming home to Australia is from India. Because we have a friend whose wife's still stuck in Brazil. Yeah, that's more transport and that okay. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, look, it, it, you know what it makes me think of? I never dreamed that I would live in a day where a secular Aussie government could do that. And things are changing. And... You know, you read Revelation, the book of Daniel and Revelation. We're going to go there on this program in the not-too-distant future where governments will do amazing things and bring in amazing laws that will restrict our freedoms and our rights, laws that we could never imagine. And I can kind of just see a little window. I get this is a pandemic. I get the importance of it, but I can see just a little window into what may happen in the future. You know what the Bible says when you start to see these things happen? Yes. Jesus is coming soon. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Ah, this song. It's a good song to bring a, after our very massive disagreement here on live radio. <laughs> actually, if you knew Hunty and I, we are actually best mates. We are. And uh, we work together for how long now? Since oh, 2009? 10, 15 years, yeah. Nine, nine, it'd be, it's over 10, 12, yep. 13 years. Yep. And we do have lots of disagreements, don't we? Well, that's the fun. But they're good natured. <laughs> of course. And we love each other. Yes. And, uh, I, I think we enjoy it. We enjoy the discussions yeah, we have we and coming at things from different perspectives and angles. And yet we're brothers in Christ. Amen. This next song, it's a beautiful song. It's, it's a soft song. It's a sweet song. The Gentle Healer from Michael Card. I think you'll enjoy it. The gentle healer came into our town today. He touched blind eyes and the darkness left to stay. But more than the blindness, he took their sins away. The gentle healer came into our town today. The gentle healer came into our town today. He spoke one word that was all he had to say. And the one who had died just rose up straight away. The gentle healer came into our town today. Oh, he seems like just an ordinary man With dirty feet and rough but gentle hands But the words he says are hard to understand And yet he seems like just an ordinary man the gentle healer, he left our town today. I just looked around and found he'd gone away. Some folks from town have followed him, they say. That the gentle healer is 
the truth, the life, the way. I'd like to welcome to our program Dr. David Cadrian. He's unique in that he's been a friend of Hunty's. Our producer directory went to school with Hunty, I think. Is that right, David? Absolutely. Yeah, we went to primary school and high school together. Hunty and I have known each other for a long time. Long time indeed. Watch. We've watched Bathurst together, we have... Uh, we've raced slot cars. <laughs> we've played slot cars, we've been to each other's birthday parties over the years. That's it. Actually, I'm thinking then we might change the, the tenure of this uh, conversation. We might speak about Hunty and his background. We'll find out a bit from you what he was like. <laughs> Lucky I'm the editor. <laughs> um, and we went to college together. Uh, Absolutely. I think we did different courses, though. Did you know that? Yeah, I thought you were doing the education stream, weren't you? Lawyers and and then ministry? You you did theology, straight theology, as I understand. Is that correct? Straight as a die, Lloyd. Yep. (laughs) And I was doing uh, a theology degree with an education degree. So actually, it was an education degree for a a religion major, uh, which I reckon was a better way to go, actually. (laughs) You're probably right. So that was about 1990 uh, we were going to college. Tell us, you had a really interesting life. Tell us a little bit about your life post-1990 or 1989 when you graduated. What happened? Um, I became a minister at the Manly and DY churches in Sydney. Um, I did that for three years. Um, And the background to that was that I'd started a science degree before I went to Avondale College. So I sort of got partway through that at Macquarie University. Um, as I say, I did three years in uh, at Manly D.Y. as a minister with David Robinson as my supervisor and um, and lifelong friends of all the, the members at Manly D.Y. Still in touch with them, gorgeous people. Um, and then I took a year out to finish off my science degree in, must have been 93. Um, then got accepted into an honours research program declined that and went and started medicine instead in 94. What was it that that. encouraged you or inspired you to do medicine? Because the reason I ask that is um, the move from being a pastor to moving into medicine and a doctor, it's a pretty big move. Not many would have done that. So you you go and do medicine, uh, you graduate from medicine. What happens after that? Yeah, so after that, I intern in Sydney, go to Westmead Hospital, and, and by that stage, I'm very interested in neurosurgery. Um, I had a bit of a bleed in my brain before I started medicine, so I kind of got interested in what did those guys do to my head? Um, I drilled a couple of holes and drained me before I went into medicine. Um, and <laughs> was, so, that a yeah, life, I, was that a life-threatening experience? It felt like it. Um, yeah. In retrospect... Looking back at it with uh, my neurosurgical training, I now think, well, look, it probably wasn't as serious as it seemed at the time. But look, you know, this is the thing about medicine for all of us. When you're not, when you don't know it and you don't know what the risks are and you're not trained and look, we can't be trained in everything, you know, things can seem scarier than they are. Um, so in retrospect, it probably wasn't as bad as it felt at the time, but it was, you know, it needed to be addressed. So, so that that little medical emergency, if you like, bleed on the brain. Was that what it was? Yeah, that was yeah. one of the things that inspired you to go further in medicine into neuro uh, science, neuromedicine. Is that right? Yeah, neurosurgery. Neurosurgery. neurosurgery Tell us what that means. What does neurosurgery mean? 
Well, they're surgeons who specialise in um, the nervous system, if you like. So the spine and the brain um, and the peripheral nerves as well. Um, whereas you have neurologists who are specialists in the nervous system, but they treat neurological conditions with medicine largely, whereas okay. the surgeons do it with surgery. And um, you're, you're, you, know, you, you trained to be a neurosurgeon? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So, Was most of so your... Went, how, um, how many years did that take? A lot. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought so. From the time you start medicine, yeah. say, as a first year, to the time you're a fully-fledged neurosurgeon, I, I guess it's not a, a, a exact time because of the way the training works, but what, 10, 20 years? It's going to take you... Uh, so training program is usually going to take about six or seven years, and you're going to take about three or four years to get on for that. Um, so from the beginning of med school till the time you're a specialist, you can count on 15 years, 15 wow. to 20 years, depending on what you do. Um, so that's what I say. It's, the joke is it takes you your yeah. lifetime to train. <laughs> and, and even after that, the training continues, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, look, all the medicine, um, you have to keep learning, you have to keep reading, you have to sort of keep up to date. Um, um, and, yeah, so it's important for all doctors to, to keep um, on with um, continuing professional development, we call it. So whatever branch of medicine you're in, you know, your local GP will be doing it, your, yeah. you know, haematologist, yeah. radiologist, everybody has to keep learning because you forget. Um yeah, now, you and Chris, I both know. Yeah, hmm. Go on. remembering back to our days at, at theology, you'll forget yeah. what what happened in year two. Um, yeah. you know, um, sort of a question, right field. This is right field. We, I, I, hmm. I just wonder because I'm, I've got an interest in this. You remember when we were at college, we had a guy who was in a wheelchair. Is there any chance in the future that neurosurgeons will make men like him and women walk again? I've always wondered that. We're sort of working on it, and the research is is going on gradually. Um, you know, stem cells and um, implantation, um, and trying to connect nervous signals from the brain or spinal cord to the peripheral nerves. So, possibly, tell us what you're doing now. Oh, well, uh, the pandemic's got me in a position now where I'm um, supervising um, some of the hotel quarantine in Melbourne. As everybody will know, there's a period where Particularly Melbourne went into massive lockdown, um, and a lot, and most, most surgeries, certainly all elective surgeries were shut down. We were just doing emergencies and trauma. Um, and at the time I'd been flying up to Queensland to work, and, um, the opportunity came up to, to do some of this work. So I'm, I'm, yeah, supervising some of the hotel quarantine. Which is a, a massive in, in turnaround, isn't it? I mean, from neurosurgery to supervising uh, the hotel, well, some of the hotel quarantine in Victoria. Tell me this, uh, is hotel quarantine a good idea and is it safe? It was Voltaire that said, uh, don't let the perfect become the enemy of the good. It's not a perfect system. It's got, you know, it's got some flaws, but we in Australia have done far better than we give ourselves credit for. Um, our track and trace systems and our quarantine programs have meant that we're, we're nearly in a situation in this country where we just don't actually actively have the disease much at all yeah, now. Yeah. We have occasional, occasional cases, but they're from overseas travellers coming in. And we're usually able to contain that and shut it down. That's been really effective. I mean, and it's meant that we've got to a point in most parts of Australia now, well, all of us now, aren't we? We can more or less go about our business. There are some minor restrictions that, you know, we can go to work, we can 
do our shopping, we can live our lives. We so, can go, even go to the footy. We can even go to the footy. And that's, yeah, it's amazing, really. <laughs> I mean, I noticed in Melbourne the other day, like 80,000 people at the MCG broke a, a world record um, for yeah. crowds since since the since we had the um, pandemic. Um, and it's easy to take that for granted when you when you look at people around the world and you if you look at you know what, what they're chattering about online, they're all you know wishing they could they could gather, wishing they could go to yeah events. And, you know, Actually, so I we think are, we probably yeah. have a lot to thank our governments for. They get a good swift kick from the average Aussie, but whether Labor or Liberal or Coalition, it seems to me the state yeah. governments have generally done a a good job. Even the beleaguered Victorian state government has come through, and um, I think you probably run now one of the best uh, quarantine systems in Australia because I was reading this morning that you guys have this is it a po- all your hotels where you're keeping people have positive air pressure in them or something or other so that when you open the door uh, uh the the air rushes out rather than in and so that that restricts uh, the spread of covid is that correct yeah that is correct and there are in fact hotels that don't meet the air conditioning standards sort of get um sidelined as potential quarantine sites until that's corrected, um, which is a bit of an expense for the hotel. I mean, if you think about hotels, they're, they're originally designed just for, for travellers and, and you and I are going on a holiday. They're not really originally set up for quarantine, so they've been making that adaptation and um, you know, modifications will be made to any hotel that's used for quarantine, so that that, that is the case. How do you get a person um, off the plane and into the hotel room Without, so, so, say I come in from India. Oh, I don't want to pick on India, England, anywhere. Yeah, and, and, yeah. I've, and I actually do have COVID-19. I don't realise it. How do you get me yeah. off the plane? And you don't realise it either. How do you get me off the plane yeah. and into the hotel room without spreading it amongst everybody else? Well, everybody, as they come off, international travellers are treated as if they could potentially have it. So everybody that's, that's in, if you like, face-to-face contact with them are gowned up and masked up. Um, with N95 masks, um, which are also specifically fitted. So, you know, yep. they take, we take great pains to make sure that they, there are no leaks even on that. Okay. So they go from the plane, yeah, so they go from the plane onto, to buses, um, and the police and the military, certainly down here, um, sort of supervise those transit points. Um, they, they come to the hotel with a police escort. Um, stop out the, the front of the hotel. Foyer is evacuated for the st- support staff, so no one's in that except, again, the people who are gowned and masked up. Um, and then the travellers are checked in, um, and they're separated from each other in distance as much as they can, and then sent up to their rooms. Um, and then once they've gone through, there is a, a clean of the whole foyer and anywhere that they've been, and um, then they commence their two-week quarantine so it's um it's a bit of an operation and yeah, so when, I first into, when i first walked into the hotels you, you would think you'd walked into you know the green zone in in baghdad there's yeah. so many military everywhere there's there's air force navy army um and lots and lots of police officers so i think after the earlier failures in the hotel quarantine system in in victoria they've <laughs> they've decided they were they will certainly use the military and to some extent, they've learned from their mistakes. So. What about a guy like me who's claustrophobic and 
would need or has in my head that I would need a room that at least has a balcony or a window. Is there any uh, room for people who are genuine claustrophobic or is it more or less you're coming home, take the room you get and you're just going to have to work through whatever fears yeah. you have in that area? Yeah, look, it's a bit like that. Um, I can certainly speak to the hotel that I'm in, associated with down here. You know, I mean, they're, they're big, tall buildings with, with glass windows. There is um, capacity for, I think there's a walking area up on the top of the, on the roof. Yep. So people from the rooms will get a certain amount of supervised time where they can go up there, walk around and get some fresh air. But then broadly, they have to go back to their room. So, you know, the one thing that people do say is, you know, they just get cabin fever in there. So sick of yeah. being... I'd, I'd really struggle. To be honest, I'd really struggle. I would too. Oh, Lloyd, I would yeah. too. I, it's, it's no picnic. If, 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 I I could, mean, if I could just have a window that opened, I think I'd be okay. But if I can't open the window, I don't know. I think yeah. this would be – I'm groundbound for a while, <laughs> doctor, I can tell you. <laughs> These new COVID mutant strains that are coming out, I don't know whether I've said that right, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, that's right. yeah, they're mutating, yeah. they're, they're, they're getting more dangerous. Is that becoming a a greater challenge for you guys who are in charge of hotel quarantine, or is it something that you can handle? The nature of viruses is that they mutate. They mutate all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's why, for example, we have different flu shots every season. That's correct. Because the flu mutates and changes over the year and we typically in Australia will, our vaccinations are usually covering the four common strains from Europe the previous winter um, so that's going to happen with this virus as well We're, the two most concerning strains that we know of at the moment are the Brazilian and South African um, strains that are mutated and, and changed and become a bit more virulent the situation in India is concerning because when you have that, when you have 1.3 billion people in a big petri dish and this thing lets rip, it's going to change and mutate as well. So there's some suggestion that we can use strains out of that. Um, look, it's a concern. It's a concern for the whole world. We're in a situation where um, we're scrambling to do the best we can yeah. to, to manage this. And um, so, look, nobody is. Absolutely nobody's going, oh, this is easy, we can handle this. Um, but we're all doing the best we can. And yeah. one of the most effective things we've demonstrated in Australia is that if you can isolate, if you can contain, if you can track and trace, um, even when you don't know what else to do, that's been quite effective, um, however efficacious our vaccines are. Yeah, I noticed you said you've, you've had the vaccine. Do you think that yes. it has helped by having our frontline workers in these hotels vaccinated? Has that helped and has it closed the leaks that come can come from these hotels, no matter how hard you try to restrict them? Well, look, I guess it's a bit like asking, you know, having constructed the fence at the top of the cliff, do you think this has helped um, yeah. so well? <laughs> um, so far, no one seems to have fallen off despite our fence. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bit like that. Um, so in other words, we, it's we, been very helpful. <laughs> look <at something. laughs> yeah, look, the danger, I suppose the danger is we, as frontline and the people who are going to be exposed, are the conduits that will take it out to the community and spread it. So yeah. it's really important that everybody in the hotel quarantine system is is, is vaccinated and, and regularly tested and you know, yeah. helps protect the community. I mean, because the situation we've got is, I mean, these hotels in the middle of metropolitan cities 
Um, that's a potential powder keg. If, if it comes out there, it can spread through a big population, and that sort of fuels some of the argument that's currently being developed to say maybe we should have the quarantine centres in remote areas. Um, would that be that a good idea in your way. opinion? Or It probably would. Um, the difficulty would be, you know, the logistics of transporting people out there and transporting staff out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you've got to think um, remoteness helps. I mean, part of the reason Western Australia has done so well, yeah. uh, apart from, you know, public health measures and doing their best, is, you know, Perth's one of the most isolated cities on the planet. Correct. Um, that, that has got to have made a difference. Well, arguably that's that. one of the reasons Australia's done so well. We've got a huge moat around the, around the nation. Um, exactly, and as much as we deserve a pat on the back, we shouldn't get too carried away because we're not connected. You know, yeah. say you're in the middle of Europe, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to isolate yourself. Well, I think you could argue that countries like Canada, very similar to Australia, have done similar things and yet have suffered a lot more simply because their borders yeah. are a lot more porous than ours. And uh, yeah, yeah, something exactly. we can thank God for that we live in Australia. Look, I want to talk to you more about vaccinations but we need to take a break so we're going to have a break Uh, we'll have a song and I want to come back to you you're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM well, Hunty, I think we'll give him time to go and get a drink of water (laughs) (laughs) I've got some doozer questions can I say that word doozer doozier doozies oh yeah questions coming up to ask him you know where it came from the word doozy no the company in America that built cars Duesenbergs and they were so over the top. Like a normal car, say, for instance, cost $500. Yeah. A Duesenberg cost 20000 Ooh. Gold plated this, silver plated that, leather something else. That's something I never knew. And that's where the word doozy came from. If it was a doozy, it was completely the maximum. Look, before we throw to our next song by Tammy Larson, which is a good one. Yep. I just want to remind you, our listeners, that today in Ask the Aussie Pastor, so I want to get this really clear. Yep. We're giving away a beautiful... NLT Bible. We are. It's got red lettering. Yes. That's the words of Jesus. Yes. It's got maps, a concordance. Yep. It's got an index, a dictionary, and it's got study helps. It does. This is for the best question we get in Ask the Aussie Pastor. That's right. In fact, we might have to say Stump the Aussie Pastor, but I don't want <laughs> to do that or I'll get a whole heap of hard questions. Shall we give them the numbers again? Yeah, give them the numbers and the email. So All if right. you want to text. 0488. Double eight zero eight five one. Do that one more time, mate. Zero slow, four, slow, slow. Zero four double eight. Double eight zero eight five one. An email. Info at aussiepastor.com. If you send through the best question today, mm-hmm. we'll send you out this beautiful NLT Bible. Indeed we will. Well, let's have some music. Yep. And then we'll go back to Dr. David Kadri and this song by Tammy Larson. It's an old one. It's a beauty. I love to tell the story. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus.
Well, well, well. I wonder where David is. Let me see if I can find him. Yep, got him. I want to welcome back Dr. David Kadrian to the program today. Welcome back. Thank you. I notice you said to me that you have had the vaccination Pfizer. Is there much difference between Pfizer and AstraZeneca and does it matter which one I get? It matters because, let's talk about COVID itself, it increases your, I mean, AstraZeneca, the topical issue is clotting. Mm. Um, and I suppose the things to say about that are clotting is a common cause of disability and death in mm. Australia. Like, mm. there would be, there are large numbers every day presenting to emergency departments around this country with clots. Even before we had vaccines, even before we, you know, mm. people get DVTs, they get TEs, they get clots. They die from clots all the time. We developed, um, you know, several vaccines and it's appearing that the AstraZeneca vaccine has um, some reports of association with, with clotting. Um, they're not large numbers, but they're there. Um, we need to be honest as we go through all of this. If there's a problem, we need to report it. And that's what's happened with AstraZeneca. So... Uh, but we need to put it in perspective and go, because someone had an AstraZeneca vaccine and they also have a clotting problem, um, they're not necessarily causally connected. Um, yeah. They can just be associated in people who had a predisposition to a clotting problem in the first place. Yeah. And that's certainly the case with some of the reports we've had in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing I'd say. And the second thing I'd say is what we're starting to see is, okay, the AstraZeneca um, seems to have an emerging but very low association with clotting. Mm. Uh, the Pfizer doesn't. Mm. Then we go beyond that and say, okay, well, let's look at who in the population we're wanting to vaccinate. Young people um, tend not to, um, well, tend to do better when they get an infection. Yeah. So it tends not to be as fatal, and particularly in children, that's the case. Um, and so we say, well, look, in that under 50 population, the risk is lower than it is for the over 50 population. Yep. So it's all about risk benefit and yeah, balancing. Yeah, it. yeah. And, and so that's, that's why we've got this situation where we're now saying, well, look, given this emerging but very low incidence issue, um, the AstraZeneca is probably better for the over 50 population and we'll try to go Pfizer or Moderna or whatever other yes. ones available to us. Yes. In, in the younger population. And that's purely just a, situation of the risk profiles of the two groups. When you're younger, you have less risk generally. Yeah. When you're older, you've got more. So because um, we're older, we're, because we're older, yeah. our risks are more, and because the AstraZeneca is the uh, um, the vaccine that's available at the moment in Australia, we older people should just go and get it because... Ab- yeah. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, yes. Because, you know, if you get COVID, your clotting risk goes up enormously, way more than any vaccine is going to cause. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're taking a bigger risk, frankly, by not getting vaccinated than you are in getting vaccinated. Should I wait until the Pfizer is available? As a 57-year-old man, should I wait until the Pfizer is available in that here in Australia there's not much risk of COVID? Or would you suggest it's better for me just to go out and get the... The, the AstraZeneca. You, it, it is it is far better for you to go out and, and get the AstraZeneca. Um, you 
as I say, if if you were to contract the disease, say there's an outbreak, and we can yeah. never predict one, you know. Yeah. Brisbane gets locked, shut down for three days every every time you sneeze, same yeah. with Perth, yeah. um, same with us down here in Melbourne. So you can never guarantee it's not going to happen, or there's, and once it goes, it can spread rapidly. We're all yeah. starting to relax now, so you yeah. think another outbreak could take off. Yeah. Your risks, you know, everything in life is a risk-benefit equation, yeah. and on, the, on this one, you're... You reduce your risks of of bad outcomes by having an AstraZeneca vaccine, and by that I mean you, bad outcomes being getting COVID and and becoming ill down the track. So the other yes. thing is to say the more of us that are vaccinated, the less chance there is of you know a wide fatal um, spread of the epidemic. I mean, you can still get it if you have the vaccine, yeah. but it's a less serious. Infection, which is the same with a lot of the things that we currently get. We we give you a measles vaccine. We give you some of these vaccines. You can still get the disease. It just won't be fatal and serious. Well, that's what was, that's my next question. If I if I say go get AstraZeneca, which I think has a mm. a seventy five percent efficacy, is that the right word? Um, efficacy. A, yep. a, yeah, efficacy uh, um, rate, which means it'll protect you seventy five percent. If I get, I can still get COVID nineteen. Is that right? Absolutely, yes. What it will mean, though, is that it's less likely to be a fatal, a fatal infection. When you say less likely, is it uh, it's impossible for me to die of COVID then, or do you think that um, I, I possibly still could? Um, because what I've been hearing is, if you have the, if you have whether it's Pfizer or, or, or AstraZeneca or whatever it is, if you have the vaccine, yeah. yes, you can still get the COVID nineteen, but your chances of dying are negligible. You'll get yeah, sick, absolutely. but you won't get as sick, and you will recover. A little bit like the flu injection, I guess, where you can get still get the flu, but possibly if it's a strain you've been vaccinated for, yep. it won't be as bad or as vicious. Is, is that how you see it? Is that how it is? Yeah, absolutely right, and it's not just for this disease. I mean, people forget that you know things like um, malaria. We can give you treatments and preventives for malaria. You can take melarone. You can take doxycycline when you go to malaria-infected areas. You will still get malaria. It just is less likely to kill you. Yeah. Um, it, you know. So again, don't let the perfect become the enemy of the good. Yeah. Sure, it's not perfect. Sure, it doesn't walk on all fours, but it's a whole lot better than than doing nothing. Well, let's get into the development of this vaccine. One of the things I hear sure. from some of my anti-vaxxer friends, and it seems I have an increasing number of them. Uh, and that worries me, uh, Dr. Kadrian, to be honest, that there is an increasing number uh, of people in our culture and society who are anti-vax. But one of the things I'll say, oh, this vaccination was developed in less than 12 months and so it's not safe. They don't really know uh, what's going to happen in the long run. What, what's your answer as a doctor to that? What I would say is that is true of pretty much everything that we've ever developed in medicine. Um, sure, when we've had 100 years of experience of a medication or treatment or, or whatever it is, we know a whole lot more about it. Mm. But at what point are you going to say, well, it's been long enough, and I've got enough information for me to do something about it. Um, we're facing a crisis now that's, you know, killing people, like it actually kills people. Um, and we've had to do something about it, and we should be thankful and counting our lucky stars that we've managed to develop a vaccine as quickly as we have. Um, so, sure, it's 
you know, you don't have years and years of experience about what's going to be and what sort of complications there are. But consider this. Because we're trying to vaccinate so many, mm. the vaccines we've got, sure, they've been developed quickly, but they are getting rapidly um, spread and, and used. And so we're getting large population numbers that are telling us what sorts of reactions and complications we can get. Yeah, um, yeah. And what we're seeing so far, despite the enormous numbers, I mean, we're talking tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people being vaccinated with this. We're only seeing very low numbers of what? Uh, a clotting defect with AstraZeneca in very low incidence numbers. That's pretty good. That's better than the information we've got for a lot of the things that, you know, we use as treatments and take it as just commonplace. Don't even think about it every day. So, yeah, we've developed a quick but we're using a lot of it. So we've got a massive expansion in the database about what side effects are and what these things do. Is it true that SARS is a COVID? Ah, yeah, it's, it's a type. Yeah, it's in the group. Is it yeah, true so too it's, that... It's well, then, is it true too that because I've heard this, I just I'm not sure, and, and I don't know whether you know either. But is it true that many of the vaccines actually have been more than one year in development because they've been working on a SARS vaccine, a COVID SARS vaccine, for ten years, and they've used a lot of the information they had there on this new COVID? Is is that correct, or is that just one of those myths? You hear? Yeah. Well, look, look, I'm not a virologist, but yeah, yeah I mean, it's the way the scientific community works. It's, it's supposed to be a community where information is shared between each other and you like all of science you stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before you use the information had before and 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 work uh you know to improve and develop what we can from the information that we've got so far so yes that that experience has helped us um and also the development of all sorts of vaccines helped us um and I've got to say, you know, our virologists have been amazing at, at tracking this and tracking its development. I mean, some of the track and trace systems mm-hmm. where they can work out which area it's come from just based on the, yeah, on the infection. But yeah. I, I find that astonishing. Like, I just sit back in awe and go, wow. Um, because they can, you know, they get down to molecular level tracing yeah. the, the fine mutations that are happening and they say it's mutating, you know, this way in a certain area. And if I pick up a strain of that, that means this has come from that area. I, yeah. I find that just just astonishing. It is astonishing. It amazes me, actually. Um, what do you say to people that say, oh, we don't know what's in these vaccines, they're full of poison, you take them, uh, you, you're going to be in trouble. What do, what do you say to the anti-vaxxers who use that approach? Well, I guess what I would say to that is, you know, you say it's poisons. How credible... Is that it's easy for us to be fearful of what we don't know, or fearful of the new, or fearful of the novel? Um, and what are you going to, you know, at what point are you going to say, I have to trust somebody, I have to believe in, you know, people who are experts in the field who are developing these yeah. molecules? Like, otherwise, we would take no medication ever in our lives. We would, yeah. you know, we would take no treatments for anything. Um, you know, you can't be an expert in everything. I'm not an expert in everything. No one is. Absolutely no one is. Um, it's, so a la- it's a lack of trust. I think you pointed something really important there. It is the lack of trust that we seem to be mm. developing in the community for politicians, for the church, and now for the sciences. 
The sciences which for 300 plus years have, have been saving lives, not in the millions but in the billions, it's, it's kind of a, that lack of trust or that breakdown in trust which is hurting the cause, isn't it? Oh, look, absolutely. Um, from the last Ameri- the, the American election campaign, Pete uh, Buttigieg, yep. uh, Buttigieg yep. Yep. Um, there's a quote he made related to this, and I just thought that really resonates with me, when he said, look, when no one's word is authoritative, any crank is as credible as the next person. Yeah. It's the irony at the heart of conspiracy thinking. You can't yeah. trust anyone these days, so you might as well place some credence in some stranger who just tweeted something exciting, if unproven. Yeah. When someone whispers, trust no one, they are inevitably also saying, trust me. Yeah. And that's, that's the irony of the situation. Yeah. People say, well, you can't trust these scientists. You can't trust health departments. Mm. But, but, you know, I'm going to trust what someone wrote on the internet doing their own research. Um, they have no degrees, no experience in virology, um, don't understand the ingredients in medications generally. Yeah. Have no pharmacology background. Yeah, but I should trust them. Yeah, that's right. This yeah. is, and I guess this is it, it, this. This taps into a thing for me. It's like I say to people often: How do we work out what is true generally? You know, as we go about our daily lives, yeah. like you know, we we if someone says, "Look, I've got this snake oil," works brilliantly, um, and all science is is an attempt to say, "Well, how will we know if the snake oil works?" Well, let's do some tests. Yeah. Um, and we'll, the tests we do, we'll do it on a large number of people and we'll publish them. And if anyone can see some problems in the way we did the test, they can tell us about it. Mm. Um, and then people say, well, you didn't test this properly and you didn't do that right and you forgot about this. Mm. And science goes, okay, yeah, good point. We'll, we'll do it a different way. That's all science is. Yeah. It's trying to work out what's true and testing people's claims. Mm-hmm. And it tries to be honest and say, if you notice something wrong in the way I'm doing this, tell me. And publish it, and we will publish it, and other people who um, are experts in the field will criticise you. Yeah. It's an attempt to get to truth, and I guess that's what a lot of people miss in all of this. It's like, for example, we've got this AstraZeneca vaccine. Scientists are open up to say, mm, we are developing, let's be honest, there are some increased numbers of clotting. So we need to tell everybody about that. We're not hiding it, we're not hushing it, we're saying, this is perfect. No, there's some problems with that one. Mm-hmm. So let's let's move forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, look, it's been very interesting talking to you, Dr. David. Um, I wish we had more time, <laughs> right, actually, right. because I, I, I did want to, maybe I, I'm just going to ask our producer director, can I take a few more minutes, Hunty? Absolutely. Okay, okay. I want to ask you um, what you think the future of COVID-19 is. Is this going to become like the flu where every year we're going to get a COVID-19 injection and this is going to keep circulating the globe or will it be like the 1918-19 flu pandemic which came and went? What's your view on that? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Mm. I, look, I think the short answer is we don't know. Yeah. I suspect it's going to be with us for a while. It's uh, We may have to have yearly vaccines, yep. um, and they might have to be modified. I mean, you know, as, as I said earlier, we've got yeah. the Brazilian strain, the yeah. South African strain. We may need, even later this year, to have different vaccines to protect against that. Um, I mean, I don't know if your listeners have, have heard anything from Norman Swan um, from Radio National. He's yeah. spoken about this. That, you know, Australia needed to be broadening the number of vaccines that we contract so that we've got capacity 
to deal with these other strains. Yes. The suggestion that Moderna might be better for some of these new emergent strains. So, you know, well, I've had the Pfizer and you might be going to go and get the AstraZeneca. Yes. It might be this time next year we're both saying, well, they don't cover the new ones that are coming out. We've got to have Moderna or some other vaccine that's been developed then. So, in short, I think we might have to have different vaccines each year for a little while. Um, and with good containment measures and wide vaccination program, we might get to be lucky, like with the Spanish flu, and it just just dies out and mutates kind of just to a, a more benign. Yeah. Hmm. Um, well, one of the things that happens with a lot of viruses is there's a tendency to mutate into a more benign version because yeah. if you keep killing the host, <laughs> um, then you've got nowhere to go. That's right. So it's almost like natural selection favours more benign versions continuing on into the future. Yeah, living in a fallen world. Hey, do you think this is just the beginning of the pandemic age or do you think that this is just a one-off? And I ask that because we're living in a different world, um, even to the one as young men we lived in where everyone travels, you know. It's it's yeah. it's a different world. How, how do you see that? Uh, it's hard to say. It, 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 I'd like to think that we're going to get better at managing this and we're going to get better at containing it. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, this, it, it, the evidence seems to be that this has emerged from, you know, um, but, you know, keeping a whole lot of species of wild animals together and that's been a breeding ground for um, genetic mutation and crossing from them across to human um, populations. You know, that sort of stuff, because there's an increased awareness about that, maybe wet markets are going to be less of a thing and maybe we'll get on top of that in the places where it's flourished. Maybe that will help us. Yeah. Um, the one thing you can say about uh, medicine, science and, and pandemics is they're unpredictable. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. Right. Um, you can never say never. Yeah, well, so, let's, let's hope we don't have too many in the future. It's been wonderful to talk to you, Dr. David Cadrian, and uh, I hope we can get in touch with you again soon and um, talk about some other things. Very interesting. So all the best and thank you. Thank you, Lloyd. Lovely chatting to you. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. You know what, Hunty? Yep. I don't think I know a guy, I think he's gone now, so I'll say this, <laughs> I don't think I know a guy with a higher IQ than Dave Cadran. He's just off the chart. He is. We need to get him on the program more. We, we will. Yeah, because he's just got so much good stuff to mm. say. Now, I, I know some of you out there are listening to that. Don't, don't be angry if you don't want to get a jab. You don't have to. That's one of the joys of living in Australia. You have a choice. Are you getting a jab, Hunty? Absolutely. You are. Are you booked Absolutely. in? No, but I tried the other day. What, you couldn't get in? I'm in the age group. I should be able to get in. Well, you know what? I'm getting one. Yeah, when? Friday. Well done. Actually, I was booked in to get it Monday, which was the first day we could get it. Yep. Um, only because I went online and booked in online and got straight through. So, you know, it wasn't hard. Hmm. Um, but I got a flu injection just 10 days before that, and they don't like to overlap the AstraZeneca with the flu injection. Right. Why are we getting the jab? Because over 50 and statistically, you are just thousands of times better off jabbed. And we spend 
time with a lot of people. Yep. Not just at church, but where we move around. Uh, I do camp meetings and other sorts of meetings where there's lots and lots of people. We we also we have a church. We have a church, yeah. and, and we also travel a bit. Yep, for our shooting, filming, filming. Yeah, yep. got, got to say, filming, not shooting. People think, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> I really appreciate that interview from Doctor Dave yeah. Cadrian. He really has come a long day since the school and long way since the school and college days, hasn't he? Mate, he's just done a lot of things. He's one of the one of the really top neurosurgeons in the country. That's and, right. And he works in all sorts of different areas. But anyway, I'm, I really appreciate that, and hopefully we'll have him back soon. This next song I'm going to play. It's Randy Travis. Now, Randy Travis has been an all-time favourite of mine. I first came in contact with Randy Travis as a singer when I was studying in the United States back in 1989. Wow. He's four years older than me, so he's turned into an older guy. In fact, a lot of people don't realise in 2013, this guy had a stroke. Oh. And it almost took him out. In fact, he almost died. But here he is, and he's just beginning to sing again. Did you know that? I did not. He's one of the great, not just gospel singers, but one of the great country western singers uh, in the United States of America. And this song, Through the Fire, I think as we listen to that interview from Dr. Dave Cadrian, there's a lot of us feel like we're in a fire at the moment as yep. we've got to make decisions for or against yep. the jab. Some people are experiencing the pandemic firsthand they've got it wherever you are no matter whether you're up or down this song through the fire talks about walking through the fire with jesus it's a beauty so many times i've questioned certain circumstances or things I could not understand Many times in trials Weakness blurs my vision And my frustration gets so out of hand Yes, then I am reminded I've never been forsaken I've never had to stand the test alone as I look at all the victories, the spirit rises up in me. It's through the fire my weakness is made strong. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy, or the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered victory with said help would always come in time just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and the adversary says give in just hold on our lord will show up and he will take you through the That I would surely perish If I trust the hand of God He'll shield the flames again He never promised That the cross would not get heavy That the hill would not be hard 
It's a really good song. I love Randy Travis. I love his music. Now, we have, I'm really praising God for this this yes. week. We actually have texts yes. and emails. That's right. You call them SMSs, don't you? Oh, text is the modern word. Oh, so, a- SMS oh, is a dinosaur oh cool. So I'm being modern here when I say text. Digital and that, messages, that comes, DMs. Ah, mm. text, text they are. We're getting some texts in are. with some really good questions. And I don't know whether we've got any emails yet, but certainly we've got half a dozen or more questions come in here. So I'm really excited about that for Ask the Aussie Pastor section because this is a, a program we want to build up, don't we, Hunty? We do. We do. Uh, as much as possible. Now, Hunty. Yes. The yes. phone number again because we're almost two. We've we got, we got another song or two and an interview and then we're into Ask the Aussie Pastor. Um, What's the phone number? Okay. The phone number is 0488-880-851. Do you like his rhythm, listeners? <laughs> I've got rhythm, brother. He thinks he does. <laughs> <laughs> Next he'll be telling us he's from Barbados. Go on. Why don't you just give the listeners your horrific version of the number? <laughs> no, I'll give them, I'll give them the email. Okay. Uh, that, what is it? The email address. The email address. Info yep. at Aussie Pastor. Dot com. That's it. Did I get that right? Perfect. Info at AussiePastor.com. Hey, before we go to this next song, I want to just share something with you, Hunty. I found this not so long ago, and it kind of, I resonated with it. It's, it's a story from a girl by the name of Amy, and she was writing on Facebook. Can I share it with you? Yeah. I'm just going to read it to you. She says, one time, and I wonder how many of you out there listening to this resonate with this story, because when I read it, I'm going, oh, yeah, I get that. She said, one time I bought my friend a personalised gift for her birthday. It was this little pouch with her initials on it. Not that you're ever going to get a little pouch with initials on it. In fact, I don't think I've ever bought you a birthday present, have you ever? <laughs> I don't even know when your birthday is. He's very secretive I about am. that. You know, he's, he's 65 going on 70. He doesn't, disgracefully. Yes, he doesn't want anybody to know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so she buys this, this little pouch with initials on it. She said, I'd ordered the things the thing months in advance out of anticipation. I was so excited to give it to my friend. And then I went to deliver the gift. And when I went to deliver the gift, I found out that I hadn't even been invited to her birthday party. Oh, <laughs> sad. Oh, terrible. All of my friends had, but I hadn't. She goes on to say, I can't even begin to tell you how incredibly dumb I felt. Mm. This was some deep-level pain and rejection. We hadn't gotten into a fight. We hadn't gotten into an argument. There definitely wasn't a disturbance or an ordeal. I think maybe I just always considered her a good friend and she only considered me an acquaintance. And that hurt. Mm. It really did impact her because she says, I didn't want to go anywhere for months. I've never been like that. 
I just wanted to hide from everything and everyone. Shame was running through my veins and insecurity was coming out of my pores. I think all of us have had times, Hunty, where in our interactions with people, we thought they were friends. Yep. And they weren't. Reminds me of another little meme. Don't cross oceans for people who won't cross puddles for you. I'm not sure that's a good meme. No. <laughs> that's, we don't want you to take that. We don't. <laughs> uh, look. Um, I, should, I did the opposite, actually. I'll help anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I know you yeah. do. Yeah. You've got a very gentle heart, actually. Um, I remember a similar story when I had gone through a divorce on a very painful one. And I had a person who I thought was a tremendous friend. Mm. I mean, I used to go round to this guy's place on State of Origin night and he was a blues supporter and I was, of course, not a blues supporter. I was a maroon. I'm a Queensland traitor. boy. There's no traitoring there. You I'm were a, born in New South Wales. Yeah, but I was born again in Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't watch State of Origin much these days, but I still keep up with the score uh, and I love to see the Queensland boys win. But... We'd go around, we'd spend evenings together watching the footy, we were really close and then I went through this divorce and I I thought this guy was a really, really good friend of mine, just like this girl did. And I remember telling you the story mm, when I, I was remember. at a church, he yep. walked past me on the way yep. to an office we had not far from that church and he was over the road and I looked at him and waved. Yep. I hadn't seen him in quite some time and he just turned his head, looked, and walked the other way. And I remember the pain I felt um, that day when I lost, well, I realised I didn't have a friend who I thought was one. And that does break your heart. It does. Mm -hmm. And I've learnt, you know, I'm 57. I'll tell you how old I am, Hunty. I'm 57 going on 58. He's 56 going on 57. He's one year behind That's me. It. There you go. I've exposed you on national radio, mate. <laughs> Felt good too. Well, the number doesn't worry me. <laughs> nah. Look, actually, we don't mind being in our late 50s, That's do right, we, mate? We're, we're happy for it. Um, God's given us a good life and we're living it day by day in him. And enjoying it with our wives and our families. I don't really want to go back and be young again. I'm, I'm happy with the Lord's got me and I've got the hope of Jesus soon return. But getting back to this thing when you think you've got a friend and you haven't, the hurt and the pain you fear, one of the things I really like about Jesus is no matter what you're going through or how you feel about yourself or how others are treating you, he is a friend you always have who will never turn his back on you. And I've loved that about Jesus through the years. Mm -hmm. A friend who will never turn his back on you. Don't you love that about Jesus I Christ? Do. I do. Yeah, and, and there's been a number of times where I've relied on that friendship with Jesus to get me through when I didn't think there was anywhere else or anyone else I could go to. This next song from the Downing family, The Master's Hand. Listen, this is today. This is the first new song today, Hunty. Cool. Not a bad song. I hope you enjoy it. But Noah was a good man, and the Lord unto him came. 
is held out to us, and it will lead us to the promised land. And the evil of this world cannot outdo us if we are holding to the Master's hand. If we are holding to the Master's Desley Bailey to our program today. Welcome, Desley. Hey, good to be here. I think, uh, in in a funny sort of a way, we do go back a long way. We're both from Brisbane. I think that's correct, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, and uh, you come from uh, Brisbane, but you went to Avondale, which is a College of Advanced Education down in Newcastle, and you met your husband there. Is that correct? Well, technically, I met him at Brisbane. He was my geography teacher's brother-in-law, but that's when we got together was when we were down at Avondale. I didn't know that. So you met him in Brisbane, then you went to college, and he was a student at the same time as you. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so, so his sister, his sister went through the, the school yearbook and circled all the girls he should check out, and um, I just happened to be one of them. <laughs> oh, dear, I didn't know that. <laughs> all right, what did you do at Avondale? What, what sort of course did you do? What degree? So I'm a primary teacher. Just so our listeners I can know who you are, just give us a, a brief rundown of the life that you and Rod have had together. Yeah, okay. So, um, yep, moved to WA. I was teaching in a school for some time and then uh, Rod had bought a block of land down on the south coast. Um, so we moved down there and we kind of wanted to just, um, I guess, leave society and just live our own lives down there, self-sufficient. Had a little orchard and garden and mud brick house and all that kind of thing, but God had other plans. That and, sounds uh, very yeah, idyllic to me, actually. Oh, uh, it was wonderful, beautiful spot. Um, Were you off grid? Other than it's on there. Yes, totally off grid. Oh, um, wow. Totally self sufficient down there. Um, yeah, and then God said no, sorry. Um, and we started a not-for-profit organisation, health retreat, actually. Okay. Um, in Western Australia, and uh, from there, we were actually invited to be a part of Eastwood Missions, which is a evangelist school for evangelism. And um, so, yeah, that required moving east again. So we moved back over east, and we were involved in Eastwood for. Oh, many years. It was probably it started in 2004 and probably stopped about two years ago being involved with Eastwood. Um, and that's when we started our garden, just uh, maybe, maybe three or four years ago. You've bought a farm, is that yeah. correct? Or you rent a farm, you lease a farm? How does that work? Yeah, so currently we're leasing. Uh, we lease probably about uh, maybe five acres of it. Okay, so it's what you'd call a small crop farm. Would I be correct in saying that? That's right. We call it's a, it's what they call an intensive uh, agriculture market garden. You know what? I come from a farm. You probably don't know that. Uh, brought no, up. No, I didn't. A, yes, brought up on a farm. It, it wasn't a crop farm though. It was a different type of farm. It was a beef farm actually. Perhaps the opposite to what you're doing. But I know this much <laughs> about farming that you can't just walk onto a five acre block of land and start intensive crop farming. How did you learn to farm? You know, both rods. 
parents and my parents, we always had a home garden. And so it started off as a very large, well, not even very, just a large home garden. Okay. Um, and we were just always having a glut of something. Yes. And we would use that glut initially. Um, our students would take our glut to meet the community. They'd, yes. you know, knock on someone's door and sometimes people are a bit hesitant to open the door. Yeah. So they would, you know, shove some cucumbers through the door and say, hey, I've got you some cucumbers or whatever it happened to be. And that would always open the door. Yeah, it would. Um, and uh, off they went with whatever that purpose they were there for. So, you know, initially that was the kind of thing we used it for. And then we're like, huh. We've got too much food. Maybe we should start going to the market. Okay. Um, and it just, yeah, and then we just kept adding beds and beds and beds. And yes, we've done a couple of courses by a few gurus from the US um, to learn a bit more, to fine tune it all, how to do it in you know, larger quantities. And yeah. Okay. So, bit by bit. What, what sort kind of things? Kind of grew do organically, you... pardon the pun. So yeah, yeah. Oh, what sort of things do you grow? I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm a pretend gardener. I've always thought I'd like to be a gardener, and I get to digging it up. I even have one of those, uh, you know, those those uh, um, hose. What do they call them? Um, rotary hose, a, a power one. So we're growing garlic at the moment. Just garlic. Um, we're hoping to sell that. My wife is later on, but I'm a pretend farmer. Um, what kind of things do you grow? Wow, um, that's a pretty big question. Um, we grow, we grow. Our, our our goal is to grow everything the average person will want in a weekly shop. So at any time, we can have anywhere between twenty five to thirty five crops growing. So at the moment, um, we've got carrots and beetroot and broccoli and three different types of kale and silver beet and rainbow chard and garlic and tomatoes and cucumber and zucchinis and eggplant and capsicum and lots of different lettuce and salad mix um, and just trying to go spring onions, normal onions, trying to go around my garden and work out what I've got, parsley and coriander and garlic chives. The peas and peas are about to go in for the, for the winter crops, um, cabbages. Chinese cabbage, bok choy. So, Desley, you do that all in five acres. Amazing. Uh, we actually do it in less than five acres. Some of that five acres is actually our house, where our house is. Um, we rent the house and the land around our house as well, which is on the same property. Um, so, intensively, we're probably farming one and a half acres. That's unbelievable. All that food coming out of one and a half acres. Yeah. Really, if, yeah. We, if we wanted to, if we had a little bit of land, even a, a good house block... If we had a little land, we could have we could have gardens which would look after a lot of our needs, couldn't we, if we wanted to? Absolutely, and that's, I guess, part of what we do, even though we sell veg. We also sell seedlings and yeah. encourage every family to have their own um, because that's, that's the absolute ideal. I, I'm trying to plant a garden out at my farm. I've got a little farm. And what I've done is I've put down, and I'm asking you whether this is the right thing to do or not, I've put down uh, some, uh, what would you call it, some plastic where I'm going to put the garden so I kill all the grass and I've left it there for three or four months because I am a bit worried about all the weeds, the grass coming up through uh, into my new garden. Is that a good thing to do when you're gardening? Yeah, look, that that works to get rid of all the weeds. Um, you do have to be careful because 
the most important thing about a healthy plant is actually your soil microbiology. Okay. Hey, uh, do you have to give your soil a rest when you're intensive gardening like this? I mean, you said you've got one and a half acres and you're bringing out all this food. Does that soil need a rest? Yeah, look, it, it does. If you, if you think back to um, Leviticus, um, we're told that we should have a jubilee year every seven. Yep. Um, and that's, that's definitely ideal. Um, and we are not yet at our seventh year, oh. but we're just we're just digging up another patch at the moment that um, we can expand into. So our plan is to give our give each section of our garden a jubilee. Yes. Um, but we also you also just need to be careful what you rotate where. So if you've had a heavy feeder like corn in one section of your garden, yes, then you probably follow it with something like lettuce, which is a really light feeder, just to give the soil a bit of a break. Yeah, um, yeah, and and also just you know it helps with that soil-borne bacteria and fungus and things like that. Now you're um, you guys are organic farmers, is that correct? That's it. How do you do that with the insects? Because I know one of the things, my Lizzie, my wife, she she did plant a garden, and one of the things that happened to us out there, we did get a little bit out of it too, but. We just got yep. inundated with insects and things that were eating it and snails. And How do you deal with that organically without using the pesticides? Yeah, okay. So there is we use one organic um, spray. It's a water-soluble spray that is actually available in Bunnings. It's called Nature's Way and yeah. you spray it on. And that is brilliant for all your white butterflies, your moths, your caterpillars and that kind of thing. It's a... It's a water-soluble product, so the next time you water your garden, it all gets washed away. Okay. Um, which act, which means you need to reapply every. Well, we we apply it every week, basically. Okay. Um, and it breaks the cycle, so the it's a it's a naturally occurring bacteria that you're spraying on, and it um, the caterpillar eats it, gets a belly ache, stops eating, and breaks that cycle. That that kind of family dies, and you have to wait till new moths find your patch. Kind of yeah. thing. Where do you um, sell your products? So we sell at two local markets, one in Port Macquarie, um, the farmer's market on a Tuesday, and then we sell again on Wednesday up at Bellingen at another farmer's market. Is it easy to make a living as a farmer, especially as you're starting out, or is it a bit of a struggle? It's, a, it, it's not easy. Farming's not easy at all, really. No, no. Um, in the last 12 months, we've had three floods in our area that have taken out at least between 80 and 90% of our crops each time. So we've started again three times pretty well in the last 12 months. So it's a bit of a battle, but it's doable. That's what you're saying when it comes to farming. Absolutely. And and the rewards and the benefits to us, to our physical health, our mental health and our spiritual health, to be working on the land and interacting face-to-face with the community, um, eating all the good food out of the garden, um, it's... It's great. It's been fantastic for our family as well. It's really been a blessing to us. I notice you don't just sell veggies, you also sell pies. Yeah, the pies are going great guns. Um, we do five flavours and they're all vegan and we do the gluten-free range as well and all five flavours. So, um, yeah, we kind of serve a fairly small niche market there and... That niche market is definitely growing, and we're looking at expanding at the moment. Yeah, especially when you and when you've got pies full of such beautiful homegrown organic vegetables. I mean, it's very attractive. Just the thought of it. 
Um, <laughs> and it's not just pies. You actually give opportunity on your farm for people to come in, to stay. They can even help if they want. Is that correct? We're registered with Hip Camp and Airbnb as a campsite on our property. So we've got some clients here at the moment. They set up their tent or bring their camper van or whatever it is, caravan yep. and park fairly close to the garden. Um, we give them a tour of the garden. Their kids get to pick their first carrot straight out of the ground and wash it and eat it. And um, So that's one aspect. We also have a number of families in our community that are homeschooling and they bring their kids to the garden to, for the kids to learn. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so if someone wanted to come and uh, see your uh, garden, or to stay there, they just go onto Airbnb and how, how would they find you? If they go hip camp, it's probably a little bit easier to find us or Airbnb. I think both of them, they're called organic farm camping. Okay, yep. Um, just search for us there in Roland Plains and they should find us. And, um, yeah, book a night, come and stay, book a couple of nights, whatever, whatever suits them. Do you have product coming out of your garden all year round? We're on a two-week cycle for planting. We grow all all our own seedlings, so we're on a two-week cycle of planting. So every two weeks we do something like 50,000 seedlings or more. Yep. Um, And then so they're all planted out, just continuous cycle. Something comes out, something goes in. Um, You know, obviously winter crops and summer crops vary a little bit. Um, Zucchinis, capsicum, eggplant, cucumbers, they're all finishing at the moment, beans, but... The peas and um, cauliflower and that kind of stuff will go into the winter kohlrabi. So most weeks you're at the market selling produce? Every week, yeah. Just Every week. There's only one week of the year we're not there, and that is um, Melbourne Cup Day. They actually shut okay. our market for Melbourne Cup. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> well, I'm sure you're... We don't, eat when, we don't eat when the horses are racing, right? <laughs> Seems so. I'm sure you're still busy on the farm <laughs> Melbourne Cup Day, though. Um, no, we do our home deliveries Melbourne Cup Day. Everyone places their order and we meet in a car park or something so that people can still get their veg. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, look, it's a wonderful thing you're doing. Um, the last question I'd like to ask you is um, as a farmer, and you're a farmer now, what has it taught you about God? It's taught us that God will come through um, in miraculous ways during these times when we lose our crops and we're still trying to pay wages and mm. pay lease. Mm. God comes through in amazing ways. Um, it taught us so much about his creation, um, how to look after it, how to how to work with it as opposed to against it. Um, it's taught us that he'll supply all our needs. You know, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Um, it's told us his grace is sufficient and when things are stressful and uh, not going to plan, he's got another plan and uh, it's always the best plan anyway. So we should just let go and go with it really. But, you know, human nature, we tend to have a bit of a struggle initially. And it's taught us that he has people everywhere that are are looking for him. You know, we have so many beautiful customers that we don't give them Bible studies, but the conversations that we get to have, um, the friendships that I've made, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he just he promises to work through us into our community, and I just see that in such a, a beautiful way and such a natural way when we're the ones providing the nutrition for their families. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really, really special, the relationship that we have. Um, the opportunities that we have. Well, thank you, Desley, very much.
very interesting to talk to a farmer who serves Jesus. I'm going to contact you soon for seeds. <laughs> I'm going to have another, with my wife and I, we're going to have another go. We, we are having a red hot go at our garlic at the moment and it seems to be working out pretty well actually. Um, nice. But we are going to, I'm going to contact you and I know, I, I hope that some others have been inspired to get out into their backyard. I'm looking over at my producer director, Hunty, and to uh, <laughs> do some digging and plant some garden. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Good for your health. Do you know there's a bacteria in the soil that if you go barefoot in the soil, they say that this bacteria actually increases your IQ. Well, both of us so can do with it. that. Yeah, I could use some IQ and crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank so you. Again, though, a, garden, a garden is like a relationship. Small attention's often, otherwise it gets out of control. Yeah, which got back to the question that I don't know whether I got an exact answer out of you in hours, how many hours a week you got to spend in the garden. But anyway, they reckon once you get into it, you don't ask that question, that you want to go out anyway. Uh, yeah. So. Got to become a priority, though. Yes, yeah. Well, look, thank you for your time, Desley. I hope we can talk again, actually, um, about Alrighty. gardening and things that grow that God has blessed us with. All the best. Awesome. Thanks thank for the chat. Yep. Bye. See you later. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. That was good talking to Desley. Yeah, I learned some stuff. Yeah, me too. Mm. I, I am a pretend gardener, you know that, don't you? <laughs> I, I really do have this deep somewhere that I'm struggling to get it out, actually. All the gear and no idea? Yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen you cultivate it. Well, yeah, I've got, I do. I have a um, hand cult, what do you call actually, it? I built that, actually. A hand, a hand hoe from Chinese, oh, you yeah. know. Uh, rotary hoe. Yep. Rotary hoe from China. China. Yep. I have, um, a tractor. You gotta have a tractor. But you're a nice tractor. Yeah, it is. It's it as is. old as me, but it's a beautiful it's a, tractor. It's a um, hey, we did plant, um, garlic. Yep. Did you know that when you plant garlic, you gotta plant it right on Easter? I have no idea. We planted it within two to three days. We had these shoots that were at least 150 centimeters, wow. five or six inches. High and the garlic is just going. Oh, I planted that in my backyard. That's cool here in Sydney, not out at the farm, in the house I rent, in plastic, in in styrofoam boxes that I got from the from the uh, from the uh, what do you call it? Where you go and buy food? The markets. Okay, you know they they bring the food, yep, the, yep, the yep. fruit and veggies in those yep. kind of styrofoam boxes. Well, I went and got a whole heap of them. Put the dirt in. Planted the garlic. When you plant the dark garlic, it's not seed. It's actually garlic, special garlic. Uh-huh. We plant it, and it is just going gangbusters. And if we can get enough, this garlic's going to be garlic seed. So I'm going to use it not to eat, but seed. If we can get enough, you know what? We're going to plant it at the farm next year. Wow, that's right. And I'll give you some garlic. Do you I, like garlic? I do. I have no friends. <laughs> you know why we plant garlic? Why is that? Because none of the pests want to eat it or touch oh, it. Oh, good call. Hey, if you live in Northwest Sydney, yes. What do we do every Saturday? We do church. We do. What's the address, Auntie? Three five seven Windsor Road Vineyard. Two seven six five. Um, we would love you to come to church. You I mean, can't, you can't miss our church on the main road, Windsor Road, big red building with a cross on top. It is beautiful church, mm. and we have a great we have a great time of worship every week. Sure, and and 
If you come, you will meet Hunter. You will see him, largest life there behind his <laughs> tech desk with his crew doing all the television. But you can't miss him. Uh, and, and he'll be happy to say g'day. For sure. He's always busy, but he'll be happy to say very quick g'day. Uh, me, I'm not so busy. I'll be happy to sit down and say... You know, we'd love to see you, but if you want to check us out first, all of our services are broadcast live. So you could go online, www.findjesus.tv, and you could check out what we do because we are normal people having a good time praising the Lord. Are we normal people? That's right. Are you sure? Yeah, most of us are normal. <laughs> <laughs> we love Jesus, but yeah, we're amen. a whole lot of different people, aren't we, Hardy? That's right. There's a whole lot of different. Actually, we're a really multi-ethnic uh, church like the United Nations, That's isn't it? it? That's right. Um, but if you can't come to New Hope, you know, there's Adventist churches all around Australia. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed being anywhere in Australia and not within, what, 20 to 30 minutes or less? Mm. Most places would be within 10 minutes of yep. an Adventist church. Yep, that's right. You just Google your town. So say you live in, let's pick a town, Nara, where I'm yep. from. Yep. That's where I come from, Nara. That's right. Hmm. I was born down there, but I did move to Queensland pretty fast. But if you were in Nara, you just put in Nara Adventist church into Google and it'll bring the addresser. And if you go to church, you will get a warm welcome. And often, like our church, you get asked to stay for fellowship lunch. lunch. Yep. You better not come this week looking for fellowship lunch, though, because it's Mother's Day weekend and we're all going home. Well, we're doing a fellowship breakfast, aren't we? Yeah, for the mothers. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Not for you. It's for the mothers. <laughs> so don't turn up for breakfast, hunty. Is there pancakes? It's for the mothers. Is there pancakes? I don't know. I, I've got uh, I've got a kind of a touch of diabetes, so I can't eat that <laughs> yeah, sort of stuff, okay. mate. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's been very hard to. Um, don't forget, we're about to do, we're going to have one more song, That's and right. then we're going to do Ask the Aussie Pastor. That's right. I'm going to ask Hunty because he's in the rhythm. That's right. Yeah, he's from Barbados. I have the rhythm. He got the rhythm. Um, the phone number, mate? Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. We have got. Already questions. We've got a few. The Bible will be given away. That's right. It will be given away today. Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one or info at aussiepastor.com. That's right. So text us or email us any question you want and I will have a go at it. And if I can't answer it, and there is a chance of that too, Hunty. In fact, when I'm doing with Bible studies with people, because I go out to people's places and sit under their table and do Bible studies with them, they often ask questions I can't answer. You know what I say? Mm, I do. What? You'll get back to them. Yeah, don't know. Mm. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Sometimes it takes me a while to get back if they're particularly hard <laughs> questions too. This next song from Lower Lights. I love the Lower Lights. Now, this is a group I've only discovered since we've been on radio. I love this group. Just a closer walk with the. That's what we all want.
Ripper. A Ripper. Yeah. I like the lower lights. I do. Yeah. You'll be hearing more of the lower lights over the next few weeks and months. Hey, I'm really enjoying this on radio. Yeah. It's different for us because we're television guys. Keeps you awake. Yeah. I mean, as Hunty said, if you go to www.findjesus.tv, you'll see us on TV. I think we do radio better. You don't have to look at us. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's Ask the Aussie Pastor. That's right. It's time. Remember I always said, uh, we've got six questions that we've uh, chosen. We haven't got time for six, I don't think. Yeah, we have. They're going to be doing short answers. Okay. Trust me, bro. Start at the bottom All right. and work your way up. Well, the first question we came in that came in was, uh, can you be a Muslim and still be saved? Yes. Short answer. Do you want to Always think about short it? answers. <laughs> okay, good. Yes, you can. You can be a Muslim and saved. Of course. You can be a Hindu and saved. You can be a Presbyterian, a Catholic, an Adventist and be saved. You know what the, the key to being saved is? Bible makes this very clear. If you confess that Jesus is Lord, if you repent in your heart and ask him into your life as saviour, you will be saved. That's true. It's All as right. simple as that. Next question. Yep. Is Jesus God? Yes, definitely. Completely, totally. Not a doubt. He's Yahweh. He's Jehovah Jireh. He is the great God of the God, the King of the Kings, the Lord of the Lords. Jesus is God, and the Bible is consistent from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. True. You don't know it. That's the whole Bible. The Bible is very consistent. Yep. Jesus is God. True, true, true. All right. How do we help people out of their sin, especially unbelievers? How can we help them recognize their need for a Savior? That's a good question. Wow. That's a really good one. How do we help people out of the sin? That's a question I ask myself all the time. You know the best way? Be Jesus to them. Amen. That doesn't mean give a Bible study. Yep. But pray for them. That's a big deal. Pray for the person you try to help out of their sin and then be Jesus. Be a born-again, converted Christian yourself. Be Jesus to them. Does that make sense what I'm saying, Hunty? True. Be Jesus to them. What about this next one? Okay. Do you get to heaven by being good? No. Just as well for you. That's true. Just yeah, as well for just you. Just as well for me, yeah. Because you're often not a good boy. <laughs> Actually, me too. No, you don't get to heaven by being good. You get to heaven. That, that's a bit like that other question, can you be a Muslim and still still be saved? Yeah, true. Yeah. True, true, true. Do you get to heaven by being good? No, you don't. There are some people around who say you will, but you get to heaven by being good. No, you no. get to heaven by choosing Jesus. That's right. It really that's is right. that simple. Yep. Jesus, here I am. This is Lloyd. I'm a fallen sinner. I do so many things wrong. I repent and I ask you into my heart. I choose you as my saviour. You're on your way to heaven, hunty. It is that simple. That simple, true. I'll keep moving. If Satan and his mates were put on earth after creation, why? Now, let's see. So from Freco, who loves you but loves the Lord a whole lot more. Thanks, Freco. I wonder where he got that from. Uh, yeah, what is it? If Satan and his mates were put on earth after creation, creation why? why? You know, that's a good question. The Bible doesn't necessarily answer that clearly, but you kind of get a sense and a feel for it. I think, well, I, I believe, this is my my belief, and perhaps I need to do a Bible study and unpack yeah, this, we should. Auntie. We should. But let me give you the short answer. I think that God has created a million billion worlds. We're just one. Wow. And I think he gives every world an opportunity to choose. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, our world, our first parents, Adam and Eve, they chose to go with darkness and Satan. It's a terrible story. But Jesus, the moment they chose, stepped in and said, I'll come down and be your saviour. So there was light even back then. 
so um, why? Because God gives us all a choice. All right. I think okay, that's it. That's it. Now, well, let's pick a winner. Who's going okay. to get the, the Bible? The two I like were that last one from Freco. Yeah, I like that one. And I like this one, how do we help people yes. out of their sin? Yes, they're both good. So which one, Hunty? Oh, my You're goodness. You're the judge. Oh, my goodness. Hey, you know what we could do? What? We could just send them a Bible each. Hunty's paying for it, so why not? <laughs> Done. <laughs> Fine. Okay. We'll just send you out too, eh? So, those, so, so, so if you are Freco, you're in, mate. Yeah, you're in. If, and if Satan, his mates were put on earth after creation, what? You get a brand new, beautiful. What I'll do, I'll, I'll Imitation text. leather, and you'd think it would be leather, NLT Bible. <laughs> yep. And whoever sent, we've got your phone number. Yep. How do we help people I'll, out of their sin? Yeah, I'll text you after the program. You're going to text them, Hunty. You get your details. Yes. Yep. And we'll have that Bible out to you straight away. We so will. that is Ask the Aussie Pastor. Pretty Pretty quick, we got yep. through that all right, Hunty? Yep. Good questions. One more song, and then yes. we'll do a Bible study. Let's. This is called Known by Taran Wells. It's so unusual, it's frightening. inside me and you call me out to pull me in you tell me I can start again and I don't need to keep on hiding I'm fully known and loved by you you won't let go no matter what I do and it's not one it's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be known, fully known and loved by you. I'm fully known and loved by you. So like you to keep pursuing. So like me to go astray. The kind of love that's bulletproof And I surrender to your kindness Oh, I'm fully known And loved by you You won't let go No matter what I do And it's not one or the other It's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be known Okay. 
Last week we talked about the Sabbath. Yep. We talked about the Sabbath going from creation right through into eternity. And today, short Bible study, Hunty. We're almost out of time. No, we're not. We've got heaps of time, man. Seven minutes, 30. That's easy. Okay. I was about to say, I bet you wish that I I preached this long on Sabbath. (laughs) Um, I want to talk to you just for a few moments about why the big deal on the Sabbath. And it is a big deal. So I'm going to get straight into it because Hunty said we've got... Time is the essence. Isaiah 58, Hunty, yep. remember the question is, why the big deal about the Sabbath? Because a lot of people come to me and say, why are you Adventists making such a big deal about the Sabbath? I hope I can share with you through a little window today why. Isaiah 58, it's going to be verse 13 and 14. Okay, got it. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with a delight as the Lord's holy day. Honour the Sabbath in everything you do on that day, and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honour and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. Keep the day, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day. That's right. But enjoy the Sabbath. And speak of it with delight as the Lord's day. Honour the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. Here's the deal. The Sabbath, hunty, it's about you and Jesus. Yep. That's it. People say to me, well, what should I do on the Sabbath? I've got a simple answer. Actually, when I was on the Gold Coast, you know, a young pastor, they used to come to me. The surfers used to love to do this. And they'd say, can I go surfing on the Sabbath, pastor? Would it be all right? And I had one simple answer to them, and I got it from this text. You can do anything. Now, be fair dinkum about this too, listeners. But when it comes to the Sabbath, how to keep the Sabbath, why it's a big, big deal, how will it bless you? Well, you can do anything on the Sabbath that draws you closer to Jesus. So when they say, can I go surfing? I say, well, can it draw you closer to Jesus? And they'd have to answer that. That's right. For me, it couldn't. Because when I go out surfing, I'm, you know, it's a good, clean, great sport. It is a sport. But when I go out surfing... I'm surfing, man. I'm on those waves. I'm cutting them up. I'm having a great. Well, I'm not. I'm not really cutting them up. I have a friend, and she likes to garden on Sabbath. Something I could never do, but it brings her closer to God through nature. Don't know. Don't know. Again, it comes back to your walk with Jesus yourself. Hmm. Um, I'd have to think about that one mm. because the Bible definitely says no work and don't do your own pleasure. I think what Jesus is looking for. That's a really good one, though, Hunty. I think what Jesus is looking for is you to have an intimate, deep relationship with him on the Sabbath. It's, 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 it's designed for nothing other than you and Jesus together, and you need it. You do. In fact, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, yes. this is why you need it, hunty. Yes, yes. Yep. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find the rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. We are in desperate need of rest. Yes. And this is not talking about sleep. In fact, I was late today coming to this uh, radio program because I actually had lunch and just laid down for five minutes, hunty. Woke up 40 minutes later. 
almost didn't make it to today's program. Not good, not good listeners. That's not the sort of rest the Bible is talking about here. When you, and this is really important, Hunty. Yep. And, and we'll, we'll do a, a Sabbath part three next week where we'll talk about this a little bit longer. Yep. But when you're living in the world, you get hurt. You go to work and you get mistreated. It's, it's like someone takes a chunk out of your heart. Yep. Or your wife or your husband might say something that's cruel. Again, another chunk out of your heart. Yep. Or one of your friends, we talked about this earlier, might say something that hurts and is painful. And it's like someone's all week you're having little bits of pieces taken out of your heart. It's like you're being ripped apart and you come to the Sabbath. Now, even before you go to the Sabbath, this text here, Jesus said, come to me or you're weary. This, you're weary if you've had these little chunks taken out of you, and we all do. Come to me if you are weary and carry heavy burdens, Jesus says. I'll give you rest. So what I do is this. I go to Jesus in my Bible study, hunty. I'm into yep, Bible yep, study yep. and prayer morning and night. Yep. Uh, I mean, this morning I'm into First Peter chapter 2. Love it. And when I'm in that Bible study, I'm with Jesus, and he's put me back together. And when I'm on my knees in prayer, so this is very important to me, morning and evening, this intimate worship time with Jesus. I'm with him, I'm in prayer, and he's putting me back together. He's healing me from all these little hurts and pains that the, the world is causing me. Does that make sense? It does. But I don't get enough time to get complete and total healing. I don't get enough time with Jesus. I just have these little windows because I've got to go to work. I've got to do all these other things that I do in my secular week. So Jesus says, hey, come apart. And this is really important. This is why the Sabbath matters. Jesus says, come apart and come to me on the Sabbath. Spend the whole day. Do you know when we start the Sabbath, Hunty? Yeah, I do. When? Sunset, Friday night. Why sunset? Because the Bible says. Where? 24 hours. Where does it say Sunset that? to sunset. Now I'm putting you on the line. <laughs> It actually says at creation, God created the day and it starts with the evening and it goes to the following evening. That's right. We go from midnight to midnight, eh? But in the Bible it goes from sunset, sunset to sunset. Genesis 1, sunset to sunset. So we bring in the Sabbath when? Friday, Friday night. Friday night. Yep. And it goes until? Saturday night. Sunset to sunset. That's right. And Jesus says, hey, come apart with me for 24 hours Come apart with me for 24 hours. And he said, when you come to me, I will give you rest. And that's what he does. This world, hunty, this world is anti-human. Do you know what I mean by that? I do. Anti-life. Everywhere out there we're getting hurt, we're getting inflicted with pain, we're getting damage. We can repair that damage with Jesus a little bit if we do our worship morning and night, and I encourage you to, and I'll talk more about that in the future. But when you come to the Sabbath, you get a whole day, a whole 24-hour period with Jesus. And when you are with Jesus, and I'm going to talk more next week about what you do on the Sabbath, going to church, worshipping, fellowshipping with other believers, getting out into creation, spending more time in the Bible and more time in prayer, spending more time with Jesus and the other believers. When you're with Jesus and you're spending time with him like that, it's like a resurrection, man. I get it every Sabbath. And so I can go to church, I can preach twice, I can have uh, an afternoon training program, and I leave that Sabbath and I'm refreshed Spiritually, yeah, and that's what the Sabbath is about. It's about healing. 
my shoulder When I need to know someone cares He's the hand on my shoulder Assuring me that he's always there Silence That sounds so sweet And so clear He's the voice In the silence Telling me That he's always near So there's no experience Jesus closer than on the Sabbath. Now I want to, as we close this radio program today, I want to do something. I want to invite you to church. I want to invite you to an Adventist church on the Sabbath. I want you to try for yourself what I'm talking about, this rest that Jesus gives you, that you can only have with him when he repairs you, and he puts you back together, puts you back together so good that you're ready to go out and face that anti-human world again. That's what the Sabbath is about. Let me pray. Dear Lord, there are a lot of people listening at the moment that have never experienced the peace and the joy and the wonder and the healing when you put us back together on the Sabbath. It doesn't belong to the Adventist church. You gave it to the whole world. And I just want to pray that you'll touch people's hearts and that you will draw them to the Sabbath. Not to the Sabbath because it's the seventh day, but because to the Sabbath because that's the day you promised that you would give us the very special blessing of your presence. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. My name's Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor, and I love you. But Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, he loves you a whole lot more. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. 
If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 